You're listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Eric Erdman. Well, good morning, Sunnybrook. If we haven't met yet, my name is Eric. I'm the family ministry and high school ministry director here at the church. And I'm so excited to be with you this morning, finishing up our series, Forget Yourself. If you remember, we started this series all the way back in the beginning of the year in January, taking a look at this idea that we want to live for an audience of one. That instead of being a people who live for man's approval, we want to live to seek and honor and glorify God in everything that we do. And so to help us do this, we've been diving through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, primarily in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus taught those that were sitting on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee. But he's taught us as we've walked through this together as well. He's taught us how to pray and how to forgive and how to give, how to fast, what it means to store up treasures in heaven versus treasures here on earth. And so if you got your Bibles or if you got your YouVersion app on your, on your phone, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be verses 25 through 34. Um, but if you know Matthew chapter 6, you know Jesus only has one more topic that he addresses, and it's the topic of worry. And whether you would consider yourself a, to be a chronic worrier or you just have seasons of life where you worry or just moments of life where you worry, worry is something that affects each and every single one of us. Remember when I was a kid, you, you worry about school and you worry about vocabulary tests and you worry about what your teacher's going to say at parent-teacher conferences and you worry about the big football game during recess and all the scuffles that'll go down. And I remember thinking as a kid, thinking to myself, I can't wait to be an adult because then I'll never have anything to worry about again. And now I'm an adult, and I wish I was seven sometimes, right? And, and no matter what you are, if you're a chronic worrier or, or a seasonal worrier, a moment worrier, we always have times to worry. And then we grow up, and, and we start to worry, hey, where should I go to college? We begin to worry about, can I build real relationships? Can I build real friendships that last, that are meaningful, that give me life? Can I, can I find my purpose? We worry about our purpose, what, should we, we, what we should do for a living. Maybe some of us, we even worry about, am I ever going to find the girl or the guy that I'm supposed to spend forever with, that I'm going to get married to? And maybe some of us, we have, we've gotten married, and then we start to worry about, can we have kids? And is this even a possibility for us? Is this, can this be a reality for us? And some of us, you, some of us we have, and, and you hold that baby, the six, seven, eight-pound baby, and you realize, oh my gosh, this is nonstop worry. I'm going to have to worry about this kid for the next 18 years of my life. And for some of us, we're in this season now where those 18 years have come and gone, or we're getting close. We've got a junior or senior in high school, and, and the kid has moved out, but what stayed behind? The worry. See, whether we find ourselves in a season of worry or a moment of worry, there's always something to worry about. Maybe it's a diagnosis in our family. Maybe it's we're recently retired and, and we're worried about where we're going to find our purpose in life now that we don't have a job to go to every day. Maybe it's a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter who's far from the Lord and we're worried about them. Maybe it's a job. We've got this promotion that's really good for our career, but we're worried about what it's going to do to our family if we have to pick them up and move. So no matter where we're at, what season or situation we are in life, there's always something to worry about. It seems like we have this finite ability, this finite capacity to live, right? We know this. Our days on this earth are numbered. We have this finite capacity to live, but it seems we have this infinite capacity to worry and an infinite number of things to worry about. And so when we dive into to Scripture this morning together as a church and we read the words Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what I find so interesting is the context that Jesus delivers them in. Remember last week, Lydia walked us through uh, verses 19 through 21, and I'm going to read them together, where Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then a couple verses later, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so here, Jesus is in this midst of this teaching on seeking things of this world, being a slave, being devoted to money, trying to accomplish things in this world, and then this other side of living into and seeking the kingdom of God. And so it's in the middle of this where Jesus then says the words we'll be in today. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I think... The first thing that we can notice as we dive into the scripture together this morning, and this is a simple reminder, but this is something we need to come back to as we dive into this idea of worry and what Jesus teaches on it, is that God is your heavenly father, and that you are his child. That if you're in Christ, God is your heavenly father, and you are his child, and he loves you dearly. He loves you. And if you have kids, or if you don't have kids, think back to a time when you were a kid. Kids don't lose sleep at two in the morning worried to pieces about how they're going to pay the grocery bill. Like, mom and dad, I don't know if you've seen five bucks a dozen for eggs. Like, I just don't know how we're going to buy groceries this month. It's crazy. Kids don't come and wake you up at 2 in the morning. Hey, dad, uh, I heard that clunking when we were driving the car earlier. I think it's the transmission. I've been running through our financial statements, and I just don't see where it fits in this month's budget. They don't do that. Right? And parents, and if they did, what would we say to them? Well, child, shh, go back to bed. This is not even your thing to worry about. And so then what I can't wrap my brain is why do we as children of God, do we sit up at 2 in the morning losing sleep, losing peace about things that we can't even control, things we can't solve or fix at 2 in the morning? And God would say to us, whoa, whoa, child, this is not even your thing to worry about. And if you think I'm judging you for a moment, I'm not because there's been countless nights of my life where I'm up at 2 a.m. and I'm not thinking about what to do with all the peace I'm feeling in that moment or how to manage all my blessings. No, I'm worried because this affects every single one of us. Whether you're a chronic worrier, I think worry reveals something about us. I think worry reveals something about us. Here's what I think. Worry reveals where we trust God the least. Worry reveals where we trust God the least. And then ultimately, I think, then where we want control the most. Because control is really just a trust issue. And so I want to give you some time this morning to think about what in your life are you most worried about? What in your life are you most worried about? Maybe it's a child It's a relationship, it's your marriage, it's a diagnosis, it's a financial situation, it's a job. What is it for you? And then when you got that, I want to ask you a follow-up question. How much do you trust God with that thing in your life? And like, when have you got, the last time you got down on your knees and you prayed, hey God, here's my child, they're going to college next year, I'm worried. 
I, I, I'm worried, God, but I know they're yours ultimately anyways, and so I trust you, God. Here's our marriage. I, this isn't where I thought we would be after 10 years, 20, 30 years of marriage, but here we are, and yet we still trust you, God. Here's my life. Here's my finances. Here's my future. Here's my health. God, I trust you. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 26 says these words, you will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. And this promise here that to keep in perfect peace, it's for the city and it's for the nation, but it's also for the individual believer who makes a decision. My mind is going to be steadfast. It's going to be stayed on. It's going to be focused on the Lord, and I'm going to trust him. And some of you this morning, you might be saying, hey, Eric, that's me, though. I'm not worried about this situation in my life. I trust God. I do. I'm just concerned. Like, I'm not worried about it. I trust God. I'm just concerned. And that may be true. But I think there's a fine line between worry and concern that all too often it gets blurred. So I want to take a look at them with you guys together. Here's what I think concern is. Concern focuses on challenges and moves you to action. Concern focuses on challenges and moves you to action. So you think, hey, my marriage is a concern. Maybe we should go to counseling. We need to seek out some couples therapy. Maybe we need to join a small group. We need to open up, share our story, invite people in so they can speak truth and love, so they can speak life, they can walk alongside us. Concern would move us to action. Worry, however, worry focuses on what's beyond our control and results in inaction. Worry is just sitting there. It's doing and not doing. It's sitting and it leads to inaction. And all we end up doing is losing peace and maybe lessening our trust in God. That's why maybe Jesus asked the question, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In other words, you worry, but has anything ever gotten better because you've worried? You worry, but has anything ever changed because you've worried? And in light of the scripture we're in this morning, I'm reminded of a story uh, of the life of Howard Hughes. I don't know if you know who Howard Hughes was. I didn't before researching for this message. Um, But I think what it shows, his life is this paradox that Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 between these things of this world, living for earthly treasures, being a slave, being devoted to money, and then on the opposite hand, living into the kingdom of God. So Howard was a business tycoon. He had uh, pursuits in the oil, entertainment, and aviation industry, and he made billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. And there's this paradox here that the more that he accrued, the more that he worried. And you think that somebody who had everything this world could offer would be a poster child for peace, that he would live his life without a worry in the world. Well, not true for Howard. He was actually the poster child for worry. Overwhelmed by the fear that somebody was out to get him, he lived his last decades in life running out entire hotel floors where he would sit in pitch black darkness for hours on end. And on the rare chance that he had to get up and leave the hotel, his driver had clear instructions. They couldn't go over 35 miles an hour. If there was a railroad track or a bump in the road or an uneven crack in the road, whatever it was, they had to slow down to two miles an hour. Because Howard was this concerned and worried that they'd get in an accident. And so for a man who seemingly had everything that this world could give, money, things, whatever, worry dominated his life. I think it's because this paradox that is true in Howard's life is true in our lives is what Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, is that things of this world do not bring peace. Things of this world, money, treasures, whatever, they do not eliminate worry. I think they actually only heighten them. In fact, according to the World Health Organization, American people group is the ones who struggle with worry the most out of any people group in the world. Imagine that. The society, the most affluent society in the world, people with the easiest access to money and things, is also the most worried people group in the world. Why is that? Because I think this what Jesus is teaching us here today is true, that things do not get rid of worry. But I also know we have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. 
and he wants to steal our peace. And so I think that worry is a weapon of the evil one. I think worry is a weapon of the evil one. I think worry is a liar. I was reading a book recently. It's called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And in it, he's got a quote from John Ortberg, and it says this. If the devil can't get you to sin, he'll get you to hurry. The devil can't get you to sin, he'll get you to hurry. In other words, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll get you to get so busy that you miss how God is working, how God is providing, how God is moving, how God is doing whatever in your life. You'll get so busy, even if it's good things. You're serving the church, you're serving the community. You get so busy, you start making excuses why you didn't spend time in the Bible today, why you didn't spend time in prayer. I think the same could be said true of worry. If the devil can't get you to sin, he'll get you to worry. Because here's what worry does. Worry tries to get us to live in the past we can't change, a future that we cannot control, and all the while we miss the present where we can know God and see his provision and be thankful and know peace. But worry is an antagonist to peace. We know this. Peace is a gift from God. Jesus is the prince of peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that is produced in us when we abide and remain in relationship with Jesus. And I can't see a time in the Bible where worry and peace can coexist because I think this is true, that worry is a weapon of the evil one and worry is a liar. So I want to walk through a couple ways that I think worry lies to us this morning. First one, if I could just blank. First lie of worry. I think the biggest lies we can tell ourselves begin with this statement. If I could just blank. If I could just have a car, I wouldn't worry so much. If I could just be healthy, I wouldn't worry so much. If I could just fix my marriage, I wouldn't worry so much. If I could just have a better paying job, I wouldn't worry so much. If I could just blank. The reality is there's no lasting peace in any earthly treasure, any earthly situation, or any earthly relationship. We say, if I could just blank, but once we meet that, there's just going to be another, if I could just, if I could just, and so on. There's only lasting peace that comes from Jesus. There's only lasting peace that comes from Jesus. Perhaps that's why Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is peace. This peace that is, is the opposite of worry, the peace that Jesus gives, it's so rich. It's much richer than just the absence of the conflict of, in our life that's causing us worry. It's, it's richer than just the absence of the turmoil in our life that's causing us worry. It's richer than, than the momentary happiness that money and things can bring us in this world. It's so much richer. It transcends all of that. It denotes this positive blessing of being restored in right and reconciled relationship with God through Jesus. It transcends. Right? And, and, and it's oftentimes it's seen most clearly and it's seen most abundantly, this peace of Jesus in times of need, in times of uncertain circumstances, in times where we don't know what's going on and we feel worried. But instead of saying, if I could just blank as believers, we say, in all things, I'm going to give thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for me. Think worry's a liar. Here's another lie of worry. Second lie, something really bad is going to happen. Now, we've all been riddled by this lie. Laying up at night, thinking of the what-ifs and the worst-case scenarios and, and what's going to happen. Something really bad is going to happen. 2019, Penn State did a study to try to see how much of what we worry about actually happens. And here's what they found. They found that 91% of the things we worry about never happen. 91%. I can do a little subtraction, so that means only 9% of what we worry about actually will happen. So 9% of what we worry about, what we lose sleep over, what we lose peace over, actually happen. But here's what I think is true. Our worry will rob us of peace 100% of the time. 
So 9% of what we worry about will actually happen, but our worry will rob us of our peace 100% of the time. And this is not to say that bad things won't happen in our life. My, my story and your story in this broken and fallen world are, are, are proof of that. I've lost loved ones. I've seen people in my life struggle with addiction, and I'm sure there's some suffering and some loss in your story as well. But that's why Jesus stressed these words in John chapter 16 to his disciples, and we can read them today. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. 9%. 9% of what we worry about will never happen. Most of what we worry about will never happen. But if the what-ifs and worst-case scenarios do, we can still rest in the peace of Jesus knowing that he's overcome, that the victory is already his, and because it's his, it can be ours and Jesus as well. Third lie of worry says this, that the more you worry about it, the better odds you have of avoiding it. The more you worry about it, the better odds you have of avoiding it. And this one's tricky, right? We talked about this difference between concern and worry. But worry says if you just worry about it, you can avoid it. The, the odds are worry has never prevented something from happening. Godly preparation and planning has, prayer has, but worry never has and worry never will. All worry does is rob us of today. So what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I think, as a people, the, the best way we can be prepared for tomorrow but not worry away today is to cling to and trust with what God has given us today. And when the day turns over, we simply repeat. I think there's somebody in our congregation who, who's living this out daily. His name is Dirk Bach. If you know Dirk, Dirk is battling cancer right now, multiple myeloma. And I remember going to visit him in the hospital early on uh, with BJ. And he's sitting there. He's got this weak voice. And if you know Dirk, Dirk's always intense. And he looks at us and he goes, fellas, I'm going I'm to fight today. I'm going to fight my tail off. I'm going to give it my all. When my head hits the pillow, I'm going to give God the glory. I'm going to thank him. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to do it all over again. He says, I'm going to fight my tail off today. I'm going to give it my all. When my head hits the pillow, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to give him the glory. And when I wake up, I'm going to do it all over again. Here's a guy who could have been riddled by worry. I mean, not knowing what tomorrow would bring. But I just think of a great real-life example for us of someone who is not worried about tomorrow and lost today. Fourth lie of worry says this, I can control the outcome by worrying. Fourth lie of worry says, I can control. Worry lies to us. says, hey, listen, if you just think about this, if you worry about this, if you fret about this, you can eventually become in control. You can eventually be in charge. We know that nothing could be further from the truth. We're not in control. We're not in charge simply because we're not God. In a similar teaching on worry, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You can't do that. So since you can't do this, this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Worry is a liar. Worry says, listen, just think about this. Just worry about this. Lose sleep, lose peace over this, and eventually you can have control. And if you have control, then you can have peace. But we know peace doesn't come from control. Peace comes from faith that's rooted in love. And when we adopt this mindset that this is where peace comes from, our prayers begin to shift from trying to get God to give us our desired outcomes and our worry into more like what Jesus taught us to pray earlier in Matthew 6. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so we pray, God, I repent of trying to be you. I'm, I'm, I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. God, I trust you. Have your will and have your way in my life. And some might be like, that, that prayer seems like a cop-out. No, I think that's a beautiful surrender. 
It's a beautiful surrender that we're not in control, but there's a God who has created us, who loves us, that is in control, and we can trust him. So worry's a liar. We know this. If we recognize the lies, then we can start to fight back. So I want to give us two ways we can fight back against worry today. First one, if you're a worrier, take a look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And this might sound simple, but I really believe Jesus meant for it to be simple. When he was sitting there and he's teaching them during the Sermon on the Mount, and they're sitting there, and I'm sure the sparrows he's talking about are zipping by their heads, and the flowers he's mentioning are growing up where they sit. And that's when he says these words. Look at the birds of the air. Look at them. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so what Jesus has given us here, it's called an a fortiori argument. It's one that moves from lesser to greater to try to prove a point. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, look at the birds. Look at the sparrows that are flying past your head. Look at the flowers that are growing where you sit. If the God of the universe is so actively involved and concerned and loves and cares for and provides for them, which are sold five for two pennies and not a single one can drop to the ground without the Father knowing, how much more does he care for you? How much more does he love you? Will he provide for you? says that the God of the universe is so actively involved and concerned and loves and values and provides for the grass of the field, which is here today and then thrown in the fire tomorrow, how much more will he care for you? Will he love you? Will he provide for you? So this is the first way I think we can fight back to, against worry. Then the second way is this. If you're a worrier, here's some good news. Here's some good news. The title of today's message was Good News for Worriers. And isn't it true that when we're most worried, the words we want to hear most are good news? Find yourself in a hospital waiting room and the doctor comes around the corner and they say, good news, the baby's fine, the baby's healthy. Say, good news, the cancer's gone, you're in remission. You you had a job interview, you pick up your phone, good news, you're the one for the job, when can you start? Right? You, think about, you think about maybe a child who's struggling with infertility and you get a surprise from your daughter and your son-in-law and they say, hey mom, dad, good news, we're pregnant. You think about times of war when the newspaper boy would throw a newspaper on the doorsteps of every home and the people opening the doors were simply waiting for the day when they could pick up the newspaper and read the headlines that said, good news, peace, the war is over. Can I remind you this morning that the gospel of Jesus Christ literally means good news. And you don't have to wait to hear it because it was already proclaimed 2,000 years ago when Jesus, who is fully man and fully God, stepped down from heaven and live the sinless and perfect life. And in my place and your place, out of obedience and love and to the will of the Father, he made his way to the cross, and he was dead, and he was buried in a tomb. And I can imagine the worry that riddled his friends and his families and his disciples until that Sunday morning when the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose triumphantly over death and sin and the grave, and word got out, and people began to hear the good news that Jesus is alive. And lives started to change because of this. And so this morning... I wanted you to hear that good news from me because maybe for some of you, that's the first time that you're going to receive it and you're going to believe it and you're going to receive Jesus as Lord. But for others, if you're walking strong in the Lord, this is something I do daily and maybe something that would benefit you in your life 
is to preach the name of Jesus and the power of his life and his death and resurrection over your lives and over your families and over your fears and over your lives. So the worship team is going to come back out now and they're going to help us do exactly that. They're going to lead us in a song. It's a beautiful song. It's called I Speak Jesus where we're simply going to sing the name of Jesus out because here's what we're going to do when we do that. We're going to find power in his name and then we're going to find peace in his presence. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.